Oh, look at this run. What a run. Marshawn Lynch. Still on his feet. Has blockers now. He's dancing his way for the touchdown. Welcome into the first ever In the Trenches podcast with your host, Will Ortner. Today on the show, I had Tim Booth, Seattle's AP sports writer and a Central Washington legend. We talk all things Seattle Seahawks coaching search from the very last days of Pete Carroll to why is the search going on as long as it has? How much of a say does the ownership group have? Or is this all just John Schneider? Why is he taking so long? Is it because he wants one of the coordinators or still coaching? right now in the NFC and AFC playoffs? Or is this one of those things where he just wants to make sure that he talks to everybody and he gets the right person in for the job? It's a fantastic interview. We have a lot of fun talking all things Seahawks in this one. Remember, if you like any of the conversations, you can go and follow me at Will Ortner on Instagram or on X, also known as Twitter. It's all lowercase. And remember, whenever you listen, to any of these shows just have fun sit back relax get some food get something to drink and have fun because we're going to try and break down who we think might be the seahawks next head coach or some of the good reasons why each candidate could be that head coach enjoy all right i'm here in the inaugural into the trenches podcast with will ordner i've got tim booth seattle's ap sports writer and central washington university legend joining me we're going to be talking all about the Seahawks and their head coaching search. So, Tim, can you kind of clue some of us in on the early stages of Seattle and uh, the front office making the decision to move on from Pete Carroll? Were there, you know, some talk, hey, this move is going to happen during the season? Or was it one of those things where they have their end of season meetings and in those meetings they didn't like some of the answers that Pete Carroll gave to the team and that's why they made the decision to move on from Pete? Yeah, it was it was an after the it was an after the season decision. I never got an indication that this was something that anyone was considering during the year. Um, but it was it was clear that um, Jody Allen and and Burt Cold had they were kind of reading the room a little bit and maybe taking a, 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 the temperature of what fans and sort of the perception outside of uh, the Virginia Mason Athletic Center was about where the franchise was at where Pete Carroll was at and whether, you know, a change was needed. I thought it was, you know, the day of the press conference where Pete um, stepped away, Mm -hmm. he was very respectful. He was not interested in getting into a, you know, who, who, who decided what, who caused what for this to happen. But in the day and after that, he kind of did, you know, he, he made it, he made a very clear comment um, on the radio up here in Seattle, that this was a um, this was a decision that was not made by football people, which mm-hmm. was a, a pretty clear indication that this was Burton and Jody's call um, to move on after after 14 seasons. So you know there had been there had been rumblings out there that that Pete himself might choose to walk away after this season, depending on how it went. He was kind of at that point where. You know, he's 72. The contract had a couple more years on it if he wanted it to. I think he wanted one more chance to mm-hmm. build a, you know, to have a team that could make a playoff run. And as the season progressed and they hit the losing streak in, in November and December, um, I think it, there, was, there was rumblings that were getting louder that Pete himself might choose to, to be done at this point. But, um, but that decision was taken from him. 
and and Bert and Jody decided it was it was time for a change. Um, and that's and I don't and I don't think Pete's done coaching. I think that was kind of made clear too that that he has interest in in doing something else again. Where or when that will be, I don't know. Maybe next year, but um, it's just it's such a weird time and situation because that's all we've known for 14 years and the the greatest run you've seen out of the Seahawks in their history has been with Pete in charge and so now that we're at this point of talking about what happened and who's going to come in next it's just it's very different when you've had such a long period of time with um that level of of consistency and sort of normalcy of having him as the as the front face of the franchise Right. You you mentioned Jody Allen and Burt Cold. I'm down here in Portland. Those are two names that Trailblazer fans know well and despise well, right? There's not a whole lot of trust with Jody and not a whole lot of trust uh, with Burt. How involved in this coaching search are they? Is it one of those decisions where they just wanted to get rid of Pete? They felt like he didn't vibe. Uh, fans were getting upset. They were get, His uh, deal was kind of getting stale. Or are they like really involved? Like they're looking at the coaches, they're in every meeting with Schneider because as a Blazer fan and some of the decisions they've made here, that would worry me with Seattle. Yeah, they're ultimately going to have to sign off on whoever um, whoever ends up being the choice. I don't think they're actively involved in the meetings at this point. I think if you if they get to the point of having a candidate who is a clear number one, um, there's going to be some sort of meeting that happens. I would, I would assume at this mm-hmm. point between, um, you know, between ownership and whoever that coach is going to be, but they've put a lot of trust in, in John Schneider for this process. Um, mm-hmm. And this is something that John has sort of waited his turn to have. He even made comment, um, you know, a week after Pete got let go that you, when he was interviewing for the Seahawks job back in, in 2009, 2010, he'd put together a 30 some odd page you know, folder of, of potential coaching candidates because he thought he was going to get hired as the GM and then be able to pick his coach. And then Todd Lightwicky came in and said, no, we're, we're going to hire Pete Carroll and you have to be okay with that being the arrangement and the way the situation was uh, set up back then. So I, at some point, yes, they are going to have to get involved. Um, I don't think they're, like I said, I don't think they're actively involved in, in this stage of the, conversations and Mm -hmm. and the interviews that are that are going on but but john is going to have to go and present a case for whoever he wants in that position to them and say hey you know this is the reason why i think dan quinn or this is the reason why i think ben johnson or this is the reason why i think aaron glenn or patrick graham or whoever else is out there Mm -hmm. um the these are the reasons why i think they need to be the next person to take over um and then yeah, and then I would assume at some point Pete or uh, Jody and, and Bert will get a, a little bit more involved then. But um, you, based on the track record in Portland, I understand <laughs> the concerns, and I think yeah. I think Seahawks fans need to hope that they are being fairly hands off at least until mm-hmm. it comes to that final decision where you're kind of just crossing T's and dotting I's. Right, and so then, how much does the fan? intake and social media posts twitter facebook instagram uh do you think are even going to play a role in this especially right when they moved on from pete it sounds like they were listening to fans are they going to listen to fans maybe when it comes down to who they want to come in as that head coach or would that even be a factor you think it it shouldn't be a factor but then 
it shouldn't have been a factor in Pete being let go. And it sounds like to a certain extent it might've been. Um, so that's, it, it. it's, it's concerning. I mean, a little bit, especially if, if you're John Schneider and you feel like Dan Quinn is the best option, let's just throw that out there for right, right now. Right. Dan Quinn is the, is the, is your best option to carry forward what you're hoping to, um, and to bring in a new voice and to continue to have some of the culture and some of the foundations that Pete created that you want to carry forward. If that's your, if that's your number one option, kind of the, 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 the social media sort of public fan reaction to that is kind of meh right. so far. I mean, I think, I think there's a certain amount of people who see that as just a continuation of some of the frustrations that arose um, with Pete in the last, you know, the back half of his tenure with, with the Seahawks. If, if they are taking that into account, maybe they don't sign off mm-hmm. on, on Dan Quinn. Maybe they, they have a, a ultimatum or a, or a, a mandate to John that, Hey, they need to go get a Ben Johnson or they need to go get a Mike McDonald or someone younger who, who mm-hmm. doesn't have the ties um, to Pete and to Seattle the way someone like Dan Quinn does. I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's a great question. And until Bert or Jody ever stand up there at a podium during a press conference, I don't think we're going to know um, because they've never kind of had that level of accountability because they've never needed to, because Pete was Pete and John to a certain extent have always been the face of the franchise mm. um, for the last, you know, 14 years. And certainly ever since Paul Allen passed and, and Jody and Bert sort of took over uh, running the organization from the ownership level. So um, it's, it's a great question. And I think, you know, if depending on how things play out, I think we'll be able to kind of gauge a little bit how, what, what kind of influence maybe that that did have because there's a lot of things that tell me Dan Quinn makes so much sense for this position mm-hmm. but it, it, the the public reaction so far is kind of like oh okay it's that doesn't really move the needle and and maybe that's what they're wanting right now is someone who's gonna move the needle um right. so it, it's it's hard it's really hard to judge and um it's kind of fascinating to sort of wonder and and kind of speculate about too right well, and and with eight coaching vacancies at the start, now you're down to two. Obviously, Atlanta hiring uh, Raheem Morris, and uh, the Buccaneers going out and getting Canales yesterday. It feels like, aside from the Morris hiring, Schneider kind of has his pick, and he he mentioned it early in his press conference. He's going to do his due diligence, and he's going to take his time and make sure that he brings the right person into that job in Seattle. Were you expecting it to take this long, or is this even getting a bit? A, not egregious, but it does it feel like he's getting a little long in the tooth in his coaching search? No. And I think once, you know, once you had the timing of when Pete was let go, once you had the timing of when they put in the request for the initial round of interviews mm-hmm. um, that happened, I think you kind of knew then that it was not going to be a quick process. Right. Um, the, the, the structure of how the NFL does interviews now is so much different than what it was the last time Seattle was in this position. So, my thought all along was that it was going to be the end of this week at the very earliest before mm. we heard anything um, or before there was any true movement. And when we got through yesterday and Dan Quinn wasn't the Seahawks coach by the end of the day, I think that was a sign that not as a knock to, to Dan, but as a sign that this is going to go into next week, that there's going to be some more conversations that happen. Um, if you're, um, 
if you're Mike McDonald or Ben Johnson, who has not been requested yet, excuse me, Ben Johnson has, but if you're Mike McDonald or Aaron Glenn, let's say, and you have not had your first interview with Seattle virtually, you can't have that until next week. So then there's another situation of, you know, maybe Monday or Tuesday, they're finally having their first conversation with them if they are to be candidates mm-hmm. here. And then you're having to have a second conversation with them and hopefully get that done. Bef- you know, if one of them is playing in the Super Bowl, you have to have that done before the end of next week. And then Super Bowl week, they typically don't like to have coaching hires announced during Super Bowl week. So there's another dark period. Um, I was talking with someone the other day and we were joking that like I go on vacation, I think February 17th and I'm like, I, maybe they have a coach by then. I, I I would hope so, but there's actually a chance that that's not the case. Might be um, writing on vacation, huh? I will not be writing on vacation. That <laughs> will be, be someone else's job. Um, but it, so I think there's, I think there's a good, there's a good in that in the sense that they're not feeling rushed. Mm-hmm. They are going through the process the way they want to go through the process. To your to your point earlier, I think Raheem Morris was a viable candidate. I I really do. Um, I think he would have been. I think, I think they were hoping he was getting on a plane yesterday in Atlanta and flying out here and interviewing here um, mm-hmm. today uh, on Friday. And so mm-hmm. the fact that that didn't happen, I think, is a little bit of a of a hit to their their plans potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't. I'm not. I guess in the bigger picture, I'm not shocked that it's that it's taken this long and. It honestly would not surprise me if if we go into Super Bowl week and we don't have an answer yet. Right. And and you mentioned uh, Ben Johnson, McDonald, the D.C. over uh, in Baltimore, uh, Aaron Glenn, the D.C. in Detroit. Is this a sign that one of these guys is a finalist or is going to be a finalist? The reason why they're taking so long just because they haven't had the opportunity to interview uh, some of these guys like McDonald. They haven't even brought in for a Zoom interview. Does that shouldn't that have eliminated by na- him by now? Or is this one of those, they want to make sure he can come into the building. So they want to wait until he's done with his season. Yeah. I was surprised they didn't, they didn't at least make an initial contact with Mike McDonald to get that first interview done um, during the divisional round week. Like there were, there were, that was the perfect opportunity to, to knock that out and at least get that first step of the process mm-hmm. out of the way. Um so the fact that they didn't they didn't do that was was a little surprising to me. I think that just means that it's you know, and the fact they haven't come to a, a resolution by now on on somebody. I think that just extends the process. It, it extends the possibility mm-hmm. that they you know want to revisit that next week um, right. and and could could go down that road again. I think the the Ben Johnson one is really interesting because everyone across the board seems to think that he's getting a job. This <laughs> this this off season and it's down to Washington and Seattle. And he has great connections in Washington with their, with their new general manager. Um, but Washington is bringing in Dan Quinn next week for an interview. So it's, it's kind of, it's a little fascinating to watch that. I think if, if, if depending on what happens with Detroit this weekend, if they move fast with Ben Johnson and they lock him up and, and that move that everyone's been expecting happens, um, then it's, then it's really kind of Seattle's got its pick, sort of pick of the litter. Um, but is it the, the, I guess, the, is it the litter you want to be picking from at, at that right. point or are, are your best options uh, still out there? So um, Aaron Glenn's another one that I'm, I'm really surprised they didn't try and do an initial round conversation with him mm-hmm. um, 
during that during that first period of opportunity when they could have because now you still have to go through the incremental steps of of getting to where you can actually bring them in for a, for an in-person interview and again that just extend if you if you're doing that next week that just extends out your timeline to mm -hmm. the end of next week before you're having that in-person interview to you know who knows when we finally get a resolution on this right um, it's, it kind of seems like Ben Johnson fits that new school mold of get the new young hotshot OC, bring him in. I know it's a little different. He doesn't quite have as many ties to uh, the McVay Shanahan coaching tree that a lot of these other young hotshot OCs have. I mean, McDonald down in, um, or sorry, McDaniels down in Miami had this right. Taylor has that in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. uh, Connell uh, O'Connell has that out in Minnesota. Um, is, is would Ben Johnson and he's someone that a lot of fans have been clamoring for, would he fit into the new mold that you could see Seattle moving? Or do you think Seattle is going to try and find more of a culture guy, kind of like what Pete Carroll was, um, building a culture that can be sustained through coordinators leaving and players leaving? I, again, I think that's one of the great questions here. And I think it's really interesting that, two things that John said during his press conference were that staff procurement for whoever comes in is going to be incredibly important. And that one of the, one of the few mandates from, um, from ownership was to find a way to continue the culture moving forward that Pete had created mm -hmm. that points. I mean, it screams Dan Quinn, right. it absolutely screams Dan Quinn. Because how do you how do you go out and quantify whether Ben Johnson can create an atmosphere that has that kind of culture? Um, how can you go out and determine if Mike McDonald can do that, especially when they've only been coordinators mm -hmm. at this point? Um, it's it's really it's really hard to tell uh, what someone's going to be like until they get into that position. Everyone knocked the hell out of Dan Campbell when he first got the Detroit job because he said a bunch of goofy stuff, but mm -hmm. he was a perfect culture builder. And then he's surrounded himself with some really, really smart coordinators who are excellent at their job and who are now getting a lot of, uh, a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's something to be said for that being the pathway to find success. Um, and again, it goes back to, to me, it goes back to a Dan Quinn, a Mike Vrabel, um, someone who's been in that position before. That's why I thought Raheem Morris made so much sense in the right. big picture because he'd been in that seat before and he'd gone and he'd learned a lot since he had been in that, in, in the head coaching seat. Um, and it really made himself a, a well-rounded coach on both sides of the ball. Um, so I, it's, it's, it's really, it, it's a, it's a great, this, it's a great debate to have, mm -hmm. um, but no, but knowing those couple of things John said, it it just leans it lends me to think that they're going to go the route of a of a culture con continuer, I guess. Right, leader of men type. Yes, mm -hmm. um, and then really try and find some smart, uh, creative coordinators to work around that person. Um, that's really hard though because if you find a great coordinator, Kyle Shanahan is a perfect example. He was Dan mm -hmm. Quinn's OC in in Atlanta. What does he do? He goes on, takes the San Francisco job, and Atlanta kind of falls apart a little bit mm -hmm. after after he leaves. Um, 
that's why I think that that line about staff procurement was was very interesting too because mm-hmm. that just it 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 screams to me that they're going to go the culture builder route and then try and just get some really good coordinators knowing that hey they they might leave after a couple of years if they're really good and and have the potential to be a head coach someday. Right. And so let's dive into Dan Quinn. I mean, we've been talking about him. He's been the number one favorite. I mean, I think people were talking about, I think I saw a tweet or an X, whatever you want to call it nowadays. I think I saw a post about Dan Quinn being the Seahawks next head coach before Pete Carroll had even announced that he wasn't going to be the head coach anymore. So if Dan Quinn has been the favorite, why is it taking so long? It seems like you should have your guy in New England Belichick's gone. The next day they have Gerard Mayo. And yep. from right away, he is he is the head coach in waiting. This is our guy. We're going to go right to him. If Dan Quinn was supposed to be, this is our guy. This is the guy that as when Pete moves on, we're going to bring him in. He knows how to build the culture. He knows how the culture works in Seattle. He's getting all the love from the Legion of Boom guys. KJ Wright came out in support of him. Uh, I believe Richard Sherman came out in support of him and said he would be a great coach uh, for this position. Why are they dragging their feet if he's their guy? Good question. Really good question. And some of it has to do with the structure of how the NFL interviews work now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you still you have to you have to abide by the the Rooney rule. Right. Um, you have to bring in minority candidates, uh, which is fantastic. I think it's mm-hmm. it's created so many more opportunities for coordinators and and other coaches to interview in these positions. Um, whether or not teams are taking it seriously, I think that's open to, to debate. Um, I think the Chargers situation is probably a pretty clear example of they just interviewed a bunch of guys to to meet the mandate and then went and got Jim Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. Um, I But to Dan Quinn in Seattle specifically, um, you know, some of it was – I think a lot of it had to do with the timeline. He wasn't in-house, so they couldn't do a coach-in-waiting thing the same way that the that the Patriots did with Gerard Mayo and just mm-hmm. promoting him into, into takeover for Bill Belichick. Um, so you still have to go through the formality process of requesting from the teams because he's still employed by the Cowboys and mm-hmm. and going through the, the the formal timeline of the interview process. So I think that's that's played into a little bit of the of the delay in in whether or not they they're going to move forward with them. And then I I Seattle's not a team that's ever felt rushed to do anything. You know, you think about you think about free agency. They're yeah. n- very rarely in the 14 years that that Pete and John were in charge. Very rarely were they diving in in the on the first days of free agency. You know, it was usually they kind of let the first wave of guys sort of come through and and get picked up and sign their their big deals in in various places. And then on day two or three, they kind of like finally jump in the pool. And they would start picking guys off. And especially when they, in those early years, they were really good at finding those key free agents that other teams might've overlooked that weren't going to, you know, completely throw your salary cap for a loop because you had to pay them, you know, 20 million a year, but could come in and be really strong support uh, players and fill specific roles for what they wanted to do. So, I think that's it's a little bit of that. They've never felt rushed in free agency. I don't think they've ever, with maybe a couple of exceptions, I don't think they've ever felt rushed like in a draft of like, oh my God, our guy is gone. We have to do this. <laughs> um, they have a plan. They have a system. I think it's one of the strong suits of John and his support staff around him is that they they have a structure and they have a system and they're pretty good at sticking to it. 
um, and how they approach big things like free agency, like the draft, and in this case, the the coaching search. And I don't think they're going to feel like they are going to be rushed into any decisions along the way. If they felt if they felt that way, if they felt like they had to, you know, speed up their timeline, they would have done, I think, what they could have to get make sure that Raheem Morris got in here for a second interview before they before he went to Atlanta. But they have a pretty good feel for the landscape, um, and they're gonna they're just gonna follow it at their own speed. And that's if that means that Dan Quinn ends up being the the choice, and we've been waiting around for two weeks for the what we've all expected to happen to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just how they're going to do things. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I just think that's the way they operate and they're, they're not going to change. Right. Uh, fans have a little bit of a knee jerk reaction. I mean, it's why we're called fans, right? Fanatics, fanatical. When we think of Dan Quinn, the last game that you think about with Dan Quinn is the Packers game. How much of that game plays a role in this decision or does it at all? It shouldn't. Um, because you should be looking at the whole body of work. Um, but I think there are, there are concerns. I mean, the numbers that Dallas's defense put up this, especially this past season were really good. I think they were fifth in the league against the, against the pass fifth in scoring defense. I think maybe fifth in total defense, mm-hmm. um, across the board, but that they, they feasted on a lot of bad teams. Right. And that was kind of the MO for the, for them for the entire season. Um, there were some really good teams that put up some big numbers against them. I mean, see, we saw it with Seattle. We saw and home and road splits too. Correct. They they were really good at home and very average on the road. Um, so, in you know, in the totality of how you look at someone like like Dan Quinn, yes, you should be you should take pause in looking deeper at the at the specific numbers of the unit that he put out there this year who, what they did. And, you know, specifically that, that Packers game had, had to make you go, okay, what the hell happened here? Um, but if your ultimate goal is to bring in someone who is a little bit more on the culture building side, and he's just going to surround himself with really good people and maybe not be as in depth on the X's and O's of how this, everything is structured. Mm -hmm. Um, then you have to look at, okay, what did he do in Atlanta? went during his during his six seasons five seasons as, as the coach there right. what did you learn about him when he was in a as a dc here in seattle and was working in the building what did he express as the things he learned when he went and worked for mike mccarthy that were different than when he worked for pete carroll um you have i, I think there's obviously you're right there's going to be knee-jerk reaction as to what we saw in right. the in the wild card round of the playoffs, I mean, you can't help but have that when Jordan Love tears you up like the way he did. Yeah. Um, but I, I, if you're if it's that short sighted of a of a decision, then that's that's on. If the Seahawks make it that short sighted of a decision, I should say, right. that's on John really for not looking at the the totality of everything that he's done. Uh, mm-hmm. In case of of Dan, um, I don't see John doing that but um but fans of course are going to have that that kind of reaction that's they should i mean that's again that's being a fan is to be on one end of the spectrum and then be on the other dan quinn's the greatest thing in the world let's bring him in he's the perfect place the person to replace pete oh my god what happened we can't bring in dan quinn like that's just the nature of things right um when you look at this too they talk about culture and they want to 
build forward on that. It, they talk a lot about Dan Quinn building that culture forward. Why would they move to Dan Quinn, someone who it does seem like he would be a continuation of the Pete Carroll culture, Pete Carroll cycle. He would handle the the players, the front office in a very similar way. Why wouldn't you just stick with Pete? It's a great question. It's a it's a really good question, and I think that's I think that's part of Seattle's process is fig, is deciding is there another guy out there who has some of the characteristics of culture building, of handling players, of treating players, of mm. creating this atmosphere that people want to come into and play for that isn't tied to Pete. And if there is, then that person's going to be a real a real candidate and a real conversation. I think back to one of your questions a while earlier, why this has taken so long. I think that's part of what they're trying to find out. Now, if they can't find that person or don't think that person is out there in this round of, of coaching hires, then the, again, the most obvious one is, is Dan because of the experience that he's had. Mm -hmm. um, and there's something to be said for bringing in someone who's younger might have an easier time relating to players. I mean, he, he is, tw he is 20 years younger than, than Pete is. And which is crazy to say that, that he's 20 years younger than Pete and just reminds you again, how amazing it is. The stuff that Pete was doing at 72, 73 years old. Um, but maybe he relates to players differently. He's had different experiences. He's, you know, he's learned. Yes. He, he worked under Pete and probably has some of his foundations in that, but he also created his own way mm -hmm. when he was in Atlanta, he's worked under Mike McCarthy, which is a totally different atmosphere and world than, than probably what Pete created um, here in Seattle. So he's He's going to bring some of that in to that's rounded himself into being who he is. And yes, there's a lot of pieces of it that are going to, that might be similar um, if that's the route that they go. But He's he is his own person. He is his own man. Right. And I think also to that effect, there's something to be said for John having a louder voice now. You know, mm -hmm. he's going to oversee the coaching staff, which is something that's never happened before. He's going to have a little bit more input, a little bit more control over how things operate and how things run. Um, and that's never been the case. So I think there's also to an extent learning how that partnership is going to work. Can this coach handle a GM who might have a little bit of is, is going to have a voice really um, in a different way for the first time. Um, and can that partnership work together and, and work as well as mm -hmm. Pete and John did for as long as they did. Right. Well, it, it seems like aside from Ben Johnson, when you look at the coaches that they brought in, I mean, Quinn, they wanted to bring in Morris, obviously. Um, it, it seems like they're going more for that culture builder, like what Pete Carroll was, right? They want that leader of men type, head coach who's going to go out and hire a good DC, a good OC and build this thing up. And then if, you know, a coordinator leaves because they get another job, they're going to bring in an even better and younger version, whether it's an OC or a DC. So why isn't there more conversation around Mike Vrabel? It seems to me like he would fit this mold perfect. Uh, we saw what he did well in Tennessee. Obviously the last two years, it wasn't what he had built it up before, but it also – uh, coincides with an aging roster. I mean, he made Ryan Tannehill a serviceable, a, a better than average quarterback in the NFL. He got to the one seed with a team that does not and did not deserve to be a one seed with the talent around it. Why isn't there more conversation about Mike Vrabel being a guy that could come in in Seattle? 
it's it's a really good question i'm i'm surprised frankly right. that there hasn't been now the fact that the fact that he is unemployed right now it's a much quicker process if they decided to do that mm-hmm. they don't have to go through the the formal you know we have to have a zoom interview and then we have to have an in-person they can just go and be like hey mike we need you to show up tomorrow let's talk about this they mm-hmm. can go that they can go that quickly with it so um that's that's kind of been the lingering one out there of like why are they not you know as much as as much as mike mcdonald has gotten a lot of a lot of pub um the fact that vrabel is still sitting out there and doesn't look like you know he's not he doesn't seem like he's a candidate in washington um it seemed like the places where he was going to be a candidate carolina and and atlanta those both uh you know quickly fell apart and fell and went to 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 other people um you know, it's kind of at that point, if Seattle doesn't come calling, he's not getting a job this, this cycle. And it's crazy. I, and I, and I don't, I don't have a good answer for, for why, other than he's from the Belichick mode and these guys know how things operate in other locker rooms with other franchises around the league, the, the amount of information gathering that happens is massive. And maybe they just got word of, Hey, Mike, Mike might be a terrific coach. I mean, he's shown he can be a terrific coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way he operates things and the way we want to run things here in Seattle, it might not mesh. And it could be as it could be really as as simple as that. But the fact that they haven't gone through a formal interview with him as of yet, uh, just knowing his pedigree, knowing his background, knowing the success that he had in, in Tennessee is is a little surprising. But He's also the one that of, of all the guys, unless they want to bring in Belichick himself, um, he's he's the one of of all those guys who's still lingering out there who they could quickly pivot to um, and bring in very, very rapidly if they wanted to mm-hmm. move that process forward. Mm-hmm. So as we get hopefully near the end of the coach, coaching search, gun to your head or maybe you know just your <laughs> your choice who you're going to pick maybe water gun to your head how about we do that we'll be a little okay. safer water gun to your head uh you have to risk the flu not not death do you think they're going to go with that leader of men type coach or do you think they're going to go uh with the young hot shot oc it feels like when you look at the nfl nowadays it's one of those two molds i mean yeah. shoot right now you can look in the four teams that are left Dan Campbell, John Harbaugh, leaders of men. That's what those two guys are. Andy Reid and um, Shanahan built their own offense. They do their own play calls. And obviously, Reid has had some help in that in that role from the different OCs that he's had. But that's how they, they've built it. Where do you think they're going to go? Before yesterday, I really thought they were going to go Raheem Morris. just And that was just entirely a gut feeling. Like – because of his, because of everything that he had done mm-hmm. since being a head coach was previously was really impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, to go and learn the offensive side, to then go back and be a standout defensive coordinator, to know the NFC West mm-hmm. um, the way that he did, I, I just, I had, I just had this feeling like he made so much sense um, for Seattle because he was that to me he was that mix of a guy who could be a leader but also still kind of really get into the weeds of of a little bit of the x's and o's and kind of develop things you know the way he wanted to um defensively but also really understood the offensive side um 
it made it just it just made a lot of sense to me. So the fact that he's no longer on the table until I'm told otherwise is Dan Quinn. And I I don't th- that's the safe answer. It's the boring answer. It's the answer that's not going to win you money in Vegas if you go and bet on it. Right. Um, but until until otherwise, it just screams Dan Quinn. Now, what if that ends up happening, then it just becomes what does he do with his staff? Is the is the Chip Kelly rumor legit? You know, is that is yeah. that actually going to happen? Um, what kind of OC can he bring in? Can he find the next Kyle Shanahan to bring in as a really unique and and thoughtful and smart offensive coordinator to run things? Who you know who is going to be the DC or is he going to call the defense? Like all those things then become the important factors of it, and it's less about you know Dan Quinn as as the head coach. Um, if if I'm going off the board a little bit. I still wonder if they give Aaron Glenn a look Um, just because, you know, he's so well-regarded in Detroit and it feels like a defensive coach is, I don't know. It just feels it to me. It just feels like it's going to be a defensive coach. I could be totally wrong. Mm -hmm. I I'm, I'm terrible at this. The, and the, the lack of leaks that -hmm. have come out really about where Seattle stands, I think is kind of impressive Mm -hmm. um, so far, but um, I just have a feeling it's going to be a, def- a def- defensive guy, and until we see otherwise, I'm I'm going to stick with with Dan Quinn and you know maybe hedge with with Aaron Aaron Glenn as as my uh, as my long shot bet. Yeah, that's that's your plus tw- uh, two thousand there. You're gonna yeah, throw exactly. A, you yeah. Throw a dollar on it, and it, it all makes it all back. Uh, thank you so much, Tim. My last question before we get out of here and through our conversation. It, it kind of popped into my head and it, it might be why they're looking at some of the younger candidates or why maybe they're holding on waiting a little bit for uh, McDonald. It's the division. You have to go against Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan, two of the brightest offensive minds in football right now. Could that be something that they are factoring in and why it seems like almost every single candidate that they brought in, especially for the second interviews have been defensive. You have to, before you can do anything else, you have to reclaim the NFC West. Mm-hmm. And that, and it was very well proven over the last few years that Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay had, had figured out Pete Carroll's defense um, and had found ways to exploit it and had really dominated those two series uh, for the last several years. So your number one priority with whoever takes this job isn't winning a Super Bowl it's winning the NFC West. And then you can worry about the next steps beyond that. Of course, you want to win a Super Bowl, but the number one thing is how do we win our division? How do we ensure we have home playoff games? How do we ensure we have the best chance when we get to the postseason of finally getting past the divisional round and getting back to an NFC championship game? So that to me is 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 one of the big factors in this entire thing. It's why I still in my gut just feel like it's going to be a defensive coach Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day, because you got to figure out Kyle Shanahan, you got to figure out Sean McVay. um, And you have to, you have to find a way to be back on top of your division. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for coming on. If uh, you guys don't make sure you go and follow him on X at by Tim Booth. He's a fantastic sports writer, covers uh, all the Kraken games. They're fantastic. I love reading your uh, post games after. Grandpa Gary Ortner is a big Kraken fan. So <laughs> I have to get the breakdown from him if I miss a game. 
it's like, well, I got to make sure I have some uh, good takes coming back. And I always go check out uh, your articles uh, with the AP. Thank you again so much uh, for coming on Central Washington's Finest, Tim Booth. Go Cats. Thanks for having me on, Will. Oh, look at this run. What a run. Marshawn Lynch. Still on his feet. Has blockers now. He's dancing his way 